Welcome to Downloadable Coffee, also known as DLC, the podcast where we discuss game industry-related events and news. I'm one of your co-hosts, Daniel Shea, and joining me today are... Rebecca. And Michael. How's everybody doing today? Pretty good. Well, we're trying, trying a new new system, and that's been a journey yeah. <laughs> to get it set up on. <laughs> we'll get this figured out eventually. Yeah, it's always fun trying new things. Um, set up, so <laughs> that's that's fun. Um, yeah. Oh, oh. So past events, there were a few past events that have happened. Well, GDC was this past week, so tons of news came out of that. That's, yes. Um. Then, uh, yeah. Uh, like what exactly? You say tons of news, but I didn't see anything come across my dash. Okay, so a bunch of everybody heard about Google's new platform, Stadia. That was uh, yeah. that was from GDC. Um, Epic made a bunch of announce announcements that we're going to go into a little bit more later. Uh, and then uh, Animex was run, and uh, that's kind of the the open Twitch platform that gives GDC talks, but for anybody that wants to view them on Twitch. So lots of cool, cool stuff. Uh, then we also had uh, on March twenty third yesterday. On March twenty third, we had the adventure short guys do uh, building the cities of tomorrow in real time today. I thought um, Dallas Society of Play did something, but they have something coming up. Okay, we'll get into upcoming events in a second. <laughs> So that there's the so a lot of stuff out of GDC. We had the talk from a bunch of short guys. Do we have anything else? Um, that's the big stuff, really. Then let's go ahead and get into upcoming events. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Have some more conferences and a game jam that is coming up. So on March 27th, Dallas Society of Play is throwing their demo disc jam. This is a 90s themed jam made for, uh, like, you're making a game for PlayStation 1 era, Nintendo 64, all the classic stuff. And then they're going to have that as available at the end of the jam. All those games are going to be collected and put into a single download so people can download it from, from there. Um, it's a four-week... Is it four-week? Right now. Yeah, it's a month-long jam. Right? A, yeah, it's a month-long game jam. It starts March 27th, ends March 20, uh, April 24th. Oof, go back in time. April 24th. Uh, and there's a mid-jam meetup on April 8th. Nice. Dallas Society of Play has going on, and other conferences that I see here is Emerging Tech Emerging Tech Summit, which is put on by UTD Campus. They're doing esports and the gaming economy. Last year, uh, I helped them put on an event about blockchain, so this time they're going to be focusing on games. Cool. That's part of Startup Week, isn't it? I believe so. I don't know anything about Startup Week. <laughs> so if you have some signals on that, that would be great. I actually don't, but we can find out. Okay. And also, PAX is coming up. Yep, PAX East, the big one. We've uh, also got the Open Beer Club Tuesday. That's right. Correct. So those of you that are 
in or near the Dallas-Fort Worth area um, last Tuesday of the month. We, we started at what, 7, 7.30? 7.30. 7.30. <laughs> Yeah, I I go every time and I I can't remember. I just show up at some point. Um, So, yeah, if you're in or around the Dallas area, uh, Tuesday, well, this this podcast, I guess, will already be out by the time that happens. But if you got a time machine, go back to the day before and and check it out. We always say that. If you have a time machine, go to it. Um, Captain Hindsight. (laughs) Somebody's going to take us up on it one of these days, and it's going to freak me out. The time machine? Yeah. Yeah, I bet it'd be Russell, if anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Russell, the, the time machine guru, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we last time, last month, we had the biggest turnout uh, we've had so far, uh, as far as as far as I know, it was it was huge. There were a bunch of people that showed up. We had a had a humdinger of a time. Right, That's a good. Right. That's got a positive connotation, right? Is is humdinger a good thing or a bad thing? I think humdinger is a good thing. Yeah. It better be a good thing. It, it feels like a good thing. Yeah. yeah. We so had about almost they... 20 people show up. 120? We had 20 people show up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. We're getting, it's growing, right? Yeah. Like some, yeah. I've seen drink ups where only like 15 show up. Yeah. Well, it also comes down to like, is there a conference happening? Like, it, or is yeah. it conflict fatigue for some people? Because we're on a Tuesday, and most people are getting back, are coming back over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and then having to jump right back into work. <laughs> so, so it's like, are you alive enough to come to any of these sorts of little events that are being thrown everywhere? Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like since it's ours is the last Tuesday of every month, don't forget the second Thursday of every month is the game dev drink up, and that's we're gonna let that know now because that's in like a week or two. Yep, that's correct. And uh, on top of that, long you know, long way away, we've got uh, DreamHack Dallas, the first DreamHack in Dallas coming, mm-hmm. um, and that'll be mid May. And uh, yes. yeah, some exciting news coming out of that. We'll have more info later. Yes, I believe um, it's a small announcement, but I believe all of IGDA, even um, us, Mm -hmm. EGOCC, are all going to try to pull together and do something at DreamHack. That's correct. And uh, Dallas Society of Play is getting involved, a bunch of short guys. Mm -hmm. We want to make it a big effort to really show what the Dallas dev scene and community Mm -hmm. is made of. Mm-hmm. So if you are um, a, one of the smaller communities that we have yet to con- connect with, give us a shout out. Let us know you exist so we can start adding you to our list of things to go go to. All right. So let's, without further ado, let's jump into the recap. Recap. So how about Daniel? You kick it off. Tell us what news have you brought to with to uh, woof? What news have you brought? <laughs> um, well, let me find the article that goes along with it. One, so one of the things that happened this last week, Nintendo had one of their Nintendo Directs where they announced a bunch of indie games coming out on the Switch. Um, so there, there's a Polygon covered it. Um, they've got an article called Watch Nintendo's Spring Nindies Showcase here. Uh, this 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 word Nindies, N-I-N-D-I-E-S, just <laughs> yeah. looks like 90s to me, but but okay, we'll go with we'll go with Nindies. Um, 
but yeah, they announced a bunch of a bunch of stuff that looks really cool. So Cuphead is officially coming to the Switch. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, sometime in April. So that's pretty cool. Uh, looks like um, Crypt of the Necrodancer, which I still have not played. Um, Good game. You should definitely like, play it. Yeah, like a rhythm roguelike. So they're they're doing a Legend of Zelda version of that um, called Cadence of Hyrule. I think you play as Zelda in it. Yeah, so you can play as Cadence from Crypt of the Necrodancer or or Link or Zelda. You can like switch between oh. the three of them. Which yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um Double Fine has a game coming out called Rad that's got some like really cool like eighties kind of Mad Max aesthetic going on. Um I mean, it looks looks really neat. Um what else do we got? Uh Blaster right. Masters. Oh yeah, the yeah. Blaster Master. Yeah, Blaster Master Zero Two is on Switch already, um, and there there are several other games. There was one called Creature in the Well or something like that. That like they uh, like it's all like hand drawn, kind of cartoony looking, but the aesthetic they kind of modeled it after is like um, pinball machines from the '80s, but but it's like an action kind of platformer. Huh. Um, it looks really cool. Like I, I don't know. Like I'm, I, I had not heard of it prior to seeing, prior to seeing the Nintendo Direct. But like, it looks like it's going to be a really neat, interesting game. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, uh, lots of lots of cool stuff coming out of the Nintendo Switch. So everybody, everybody, keep your All eyes right. peeled. Can, can we talk about the real travesty of that though? Let, let's hear. What What are your All thoughts? Right. All right, I got I got a bone to pick here. Uh, with Nintendo, so the day before they put they showed their Nindies stream, right? Uh, the day before they put out a tweet with Tom Nook from Animal Crossing holding bells, talking about tax season. And then their Nintendo Direct comes on, and there's no word of a new Animal Crossing. No Animal, yeah. And people have been people have been asking for Animal Crossing for ever. I mean, definitely as long as the since the switch came out, right? Like, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. These, these buttheads are out there taunting us right now (laughs) with their, with their Tom Nook tweets and I'm having none of it. They know what the people want. (laughs) They're withholding. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a huge animal crossing fan. Oh yeah. They're, they're neat games. I got my wife, um, the, Crap! What's it called? The something leaf. Um, New the leaf? DS one. New leaf is that yeah, it? Yeah, it sounded like a tea brand when I started to say it, but but I guess it is New Leaf. Um, yeah, I got her that. She got she 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 lost. I think it's supposed to be a play on like you've got a new leaf on life. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> she um like the, the rest of her life just kind of faded away for a while when she got that like any free time she had. Buried in my DS, but that's how gaming should be. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. I mean, a game should be good enough that you kind of like, I don't know, I guess it can get totally out of hand, too. I, when, God, when uh, I had a roommate, when, when Pokemon X and Y came out, we lost him for like two months. We just didn't see him anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> Brandy, so let's move on. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Somebody doesn't like Animal Crossing. Apparently. <laughs> but sure. No, yeah. we just got a lot of news to get through. <laughs> Let's hear it. What do you got? 
So I'm going to jump around in my little news articles. I'm going to talk about Epic's uh, Epic Games CEO says Apex Legends hasn't made a dent in Fortnite. This comes from TechCrunch.com. It so Apex Legends, which was what came out like a week or three week or three ago. Uh, Five weeks now. It was early February. One of the odd numbers. Yeah, yeah. It has has grossed about 50 million players. And Fortnite, what they saw in their thing, while Fortnite, uh, while they've gone to, while Epic's Legend has gone to 50 million, Fortnite has jumped up to about 250 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when the Apex came online, they actually saw an increase in Fortnite players as well. And so this is just like everybody kind of coming together on this whole battle royale, but also the free to play model. So they grew as much as Apex gained users, mm-hmm. which reads to mm-hmm. me like they're bringing more users than ever into the game buying market, which is only good news for people who make games. Yes, yes. Uh, the other bubble that's going to collapse. <laughs> what the news is about it's just how they're seeing instead of seeing games lose users in the battle royale genre which is now officially a new genre uh without losing players in battle royale they're actually seeing other battle royale games start to gain players um cool and for ea alone last time last podcast we talked about how ea spent over a million dollars on just marketing through one streamer alone and For that was one ninja day. who had one day and it was like a couple hours mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's really interesting to see uh that in what the ceo says is just how that how this phenomenon seems to be like, like you said a great day around <clears throat> you kind of cut out there in that last sentence a great what Great for everybody around. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Much agreed. Uh, you had another article too, yeah? Yeah, I wasn't sure if you wanted to do one of yours, but I'll do my other one. Or um, or Daniel, or Daniel. Yeah, Daniel, you do yours. I gotta go take care of somebody. Oh. You're on the spot. I am, and I'm trying to remember what my other article was. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, we can jump into one of mine then. Or did you remember? Uh, no, I have not remembered. Okay, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, you go right ahead. All right. Um, so since we're on the topic of Epic Games and Battle Royale and all that, uh, at GDC, Epic Games had their big panel talking about um, you know the state of Epic and all the stuff that they're doing, right? Um, one of the big announcements that they put out, they've been doing these, uh, since the start of the success of Fortnite, they've been doing these grants to help out students or small indie teams, um, basically just you know giving sums of money to teams to help boost their ability to create games, right? Well, they just announced their new uh, their new platform for grants that they're calling Mega Grants for same purpose, but for I guess at a larger scale. And these Mega Grants, they've got funding over a hundred million dollars. To give to to dev teams to fund their games. <clears throat> now that's not to say that one team is going to get hundred million dollars. That's just like the big pool of grant money that they're putting in, and I right. think that's just for one year. So that might be a per year they will be giving out that much, assuming the continued success of Fortnite and their other licenses. 
it's pretty cool. It is really cool. Um, as yeah. well, they've been doing great, like putting uh, ass- new assets up for free on their asset store for developers and aspiring developers. Um, like they're really being a driving force in increasing the developer side of the games industry. Which is great. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of stuff comes out of this, uh, out of these grants, I guess. Yeah, same here. I'm also just, I'm happy to see that uh, Epic and Tim Sweeney, the CEO, are taking some of their, you know, their massive success, right, and putting it back into the community. And that's, that's awesome to see. You know, because so many yeah. CEOs would just hope. kind of take that. Sorry, what, Rebecca? I mean, for, for like, like you said, I really like that too. That's kind of what I hope we're able to do one day is kind of take what we get and give back to the community. Right. Because it's really the community that gives you your success. Yeah. So if you guys want to give us a hundred million (laughs) dollars, you can make the check out to Daniel Shea (laughs) uh, at roblox.org. (laughs) Uh, and I just want to like so I'm glad you brought up grants I was actually doing some research on just like if there were grants for podcasts and uh, other other sort of media and there is you just have to go and know where to look at look for them Um, so that and the biggest problem for a lot of developers is that you get into once you got start making games you realize money is a big part of it and you can't figure out you don't know how to start funding it Right. right. So grants is like a great, great, great starting point. When you can't get an investor, a grant is the next thing. And there's also some programs like here in Texas, there's a couple of different programs that actually helps fund games. I know Gearbox used it once. It's part of the filming commission oh, we that, that they had. Year. Yeah. So there's there's like these different things that developers can use to kind of just get their projects off the ground when it comes to money. You just have to sit down and do your research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, or join the VGOCC and we'll tell you about the different, <laughs> different things out there. Because, uh, I mean, we've also seen from, like, uh, again, Gearbox isn't one of our sponsors, but I know we talk about them a lot. Um, we, we also have, like, fig.org, which it uses, which also helps in the whole funding of games. Um, there's some blockchain projects, some ICO projects that are that use cryptocurrency to help fund and invest in games. So it's just there's a lot of different methods out there. You just have to, like I said, you just have to sit down and figure out what it is you're trying to do, what grants are out there that fit with that. Because some grants are like, if you're not doing fantasy, nonfiction, or something like that, you're not going to get the money. You have right, to right. show them what kind of what kind of projects you're doing in order to get that money. And I remember that being a big thing um, with the local mm-hmm. schools as well, especially for the games program in local schools. Um, UTD and UT Arlington and uh, UT Southwestern and a bunch, of <clears throat> a bunch of schools like that in the DFW area, um, they all try to push for those grant projects, that grant money from, usually it's government funded, uh, or there's other mm-hmm. programs like the Texas Film Festival uh, as you talked about, or Film Commission? I'll have to figure it out. I think yeah. one day we should just pull together a bunch of resources. Sure, yeah. And just have it somewhere for, for people to see. Yeah, I agree. Um, Daniel, did you remember the next article that you wanted to talk about? I, I don't remember it. I think it was, <laughs> I think I had it open in Discord, and since we're recording through Discord, I can't can't switch over and look at the other channel without cutting out my audio. But, uh, 
I know you see oh, Carmen you, San Diego. Well, yeah, so there was that. Um, but I think there was another one because I think y'all mentioned Carmen San Diego last time as like yeah, an honorable yeah. mention, but I don't know how in depth. I mean, we could go into it a little bit more. I'm down. But there's not, we just said it's a game. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I'm looking at this article that was posted to our discord. Um, the articles from Eurogamer.net. The title is where in the world is Carmen San Diego is playable on Google earth right now. Uh, so it looks like it's just a game announcement, but in the article, they get more into uh, m- most of what they're talking about here is how apparently this right now is the only current, uh, like current Carmen San Diego game that you can play, and it's not even like a purchasable game. It's it's a free to play thing, um, and so they spend a bit of time talking about how, despite being pretty ridiculously popular. Um, all the previous games in the franchise, their licensing, I guess, has, has expired, and you you can't go buy new copies. Oh, they so, haven't used the IP in forever, so yeah. I bet that's why. Which is which is interesting. Um, w- one of the person they s- cite in this article misuses the word literally, uh, which <laughs> people harp on a lot, but people still misuse. I think is interesting. Uh, he he says uh, this person. Let me find him. Frank. I don't know if it's Cifaldi or Cifaldi. C i f a l d i. Founder of Video Game History Foundation says you literally can't buy a Carmen San Diego game right now. Which <laughs> I mean, you can get on eBay and and buy the old ones, but but I mean, I I, I think the point is is still a valid, interesting point. Going back to you know, preservation of video games. It's, it's, it's interesting how the licensing expires on some of this stuff. And a lot of these games, some of them are great, great games just get lost to time. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Video games are, are kind of interesting. Do what? (laughs) Because the words cut out. I just yelled my name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing I want to interrupt real quick, and I I think we really need to do this. I would love to find somebody that's an expert on kind of IP law and copyright. Yeah. You know, we've talked before about copyright. We've seen some some, uh, developers get into it with, like, Nintendo. Uh, We've seen, like, fan games get into it. It's usually Nintendo now that I'm thinking about it. But when it comes to IP, if you know Disney... You know that they have their, 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 they've just announced that they're closing down their vault. There's not going to be a vault anymore. If you haven't heard that, that's, that's kind of the new thing that's coming out because they're launching a streaming service. Right. One of the reasons why, why they're constantly like opening up the vault and releasing old IPs like Beauty and the Beast, Alice in Wonderland, Little Mermaid, those, those movies is because they have to continuously do something with those IPs or they lose the copyright over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The, uh, there's a Christmas, there's a very popular Christmas movie. Oh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's like White Christmas or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Became, it became like the Christmas movie. It's not the greatest movie out there, but it became the Christmas movie because they they lost the copyright. So anybody, any channel, just pick it up and use it without having to like declare the rights on it. So those little things are like important to know whenever when it so when you go into talking about Carmen San Diego, the last game was in like the early late nineties, I wanna say. Yeah, I think you're right. It was in the late nineties, so that makes it what, almost twenty, twenty something years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, Almost 30. Yeah. It was early 90s. 
because if it was early 90s. So there's a large portion of time. And I think the copyright law is like you have to do something with it every, I want to say, and this is why I want to go get somebody else to like actually do it. So don't fully quote me on this, but it's like every, um, it's, it's sometimes it's a lifetime. So it can be like up to 70 to 80 years or sometimes it can be as little as 50 to 30 years. Right. Um, but I want to I want to bring somebody on to really talk about this because I've seen people come into some of our chats and talk about fan games that they're working on. And I'm like, have you really thought about the copyright side of this? The licensing yes, side. Yeah. There's a there's a whole thing on the developers community right now where you know a lot of people are excited about about making these fan games and and you know experienced devs who've gone through the legal process are like, no, don't do it. Like, make games, yes, but don't make a fan game. It's yeah. the thing, like, the moment you charge for it, the moment you charge for it, you're making money, and that's taking money away from the original IP holders. And they will come after you, especially, especially if it's Nintendo. Even yeah. even fan games that aren't planning to charge for it, they get shut down immediately. Uh, especially yeah. if it's Nintendo, like you're, like you're saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo, Nintendo understands. Like, if you want to look at a company industry that really understands ip copyright you look at nintendo Mm -hmm. and they know if at any point you say oh i don't mind what you do with my with the property you immediately lose all of your copyrights to it uh just ask goldblum like he cannot go and protect his image now because he has said on record i don't care what you do with my image (laughs) yeah that's a mistake so you just gotta these are things that, that are part of the business side of game making that we don't talk about a whole lot. Right. And uh, back to the Nintendo part of this, you know, they, they demonetize any streaming videos or any Let's Plays using Nintendo uh, properties. Game Grumps is, like, notorious for, for that. Yeah. Uh, for that. It's, like, some... I, I think for a while there, they also tried to, like, connect with some... Or like really famous content creators, but they had very strict rules on what could and couldn't be done with their IP. And some content creators were just like, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. So most, for, like, most streamers don't even bother with Nintendo games anymore. And some will, and if you, there was another thing, was like if you partnered with Nintendo, they also wanted some of the revenue from your stream. And if you, that they make very little off of the streams anyway, so other content creators were like, no. Yeah, yeah. That you're not going to use my platform like that. I mean, if I was one of those streamers, I wouldn't either after after hearing Nintendo's policies there. But I also understand where Nintendo's coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get it too. Um, yeah, I get that. So what else do we have? Uh, uh, I guess you want to do your next article? This So this one's a little somber. Uh, over the last, what, two, three months, we've seen... Some like 700, it's a large number. There's like some 700 people that have been let go from various companies within the game industry. Sure. Uh, and that, that's a lot. So what came out a couple a uh, couple weeks ago is from a perspective of, um, of this one lady. Her name is Katie H-I-R-O-N-I-S. Cronus? Uh, I don't recall. Just posted on Polygon. It's part of their opinion opinion channel. And it says, making games for a living means being in constant fear of losing your job. Letting go of the fear was a mistake I, I won't make again. And it just goes into her, it's a look inside the industry from, from a developer's point of view and how she's been 
how every time she she and her husband got into the game industry, the got into a game company, they were always hoping this would be the one. This would be the one. The turnover rate, they, they couldn't get comfortable. They always had to be prepared for if they were let go. And that seemed like a very common theme for them. Um, it's a very somber, somber view. I wanted to pull out a few quotes, but I lost them. Uh, the big bullet quotes. This wasn't the first time it happened. So she's talking about some of the game industry, game companies that she'd been in, how she was hoping that they would be just... Um, just stable jobs. She talks about working for Microsoft games in their new grad employees program where they were bringing in fresh blood. The idea was that while after they'd done that for a little bit, they would be added in as actual employees. That's always the hope whenever you work at, at Microsoft because they have contract positions and then they have full-time positions. Right, right. Uh, the program was shut down during the reorganization. And I remember this reorganization at Microsoft. Yeah, you were working for them at the time, weren't you? I was. I was working Xbox support. And I remember I went home one day, came back, and it was a ghost. It was like a, 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 a go- what do you call it? Ghost, ghost mine? Town? Ghost town? It was like a ghost town. Cubicles that were filled with stuff. There were still cubicles that was filled with stuff because they just told everybody to get out. Uh, they walked people out. Jeez. People from my department alone had been let go. I, out of my class of like sixty-four people that had been that had started, it was me and two people that were left. Jeez. Very thing. Uh, it says the next thing she says here. It doesn't get easier with time or experience. So no matter how often she kept losing, or how often they had to jump to a new job, it never got easier. It was it was always something that was very frustrating to go through, and that that's true. I sat in my car out in the parking lot, pressed my head against the steering wheel, and cried. This was, again, she was let go from a small developer role as a writer, mm-hmm. and um, she didn't make it through. They ended up letting her go. So it's just, like, continuous. It always seemed like something bad was happening. Uh, and then she said, but this was something that she wanted to do. It's not, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> It because we know how difficult it is, and we've seen in our own Discord like people start to get discouraged. Yeah, yeah. But she said, if you really want to do this, if it's something you really want to do, you have to take the bad with the good. And that's that's true. I mean, that's kind of the case with with all of the overtime too, right? Hmm. Like, you know, you've got a risk of layoffs. You've got you know uh, the hmm. risk of of overtime and overworking yourself. You've got. Uh, I mean, there there's just a lot of. Things to be wary of. There's one line here, and this when I read this, this kind of reminded me of something we talked about several episodes ago. It says, "And once that luster is gone, a dream job is just another job." You had talked, and we had a few other people like this disenchantment once you're in the industry and you're making games, but you're not doing like the great. How how frustrating it can get, and how some people go from being like, "This is my, this is what I want to do for a living," to it just being another nine to five job. Yeah, yeah. And people get disenfranchised with it easily. So this was one of the things. Like she, you, you're you're all starry eyed when you get in, and then when things don't work out, it becomes harder and harder to keep like that hope going. Um, she brings in here like the different things that people have been talking about. Unionization uh, is a, is one that keeps coming up. 
somebody that's really into this whole unionizing of the game industry and have them on the show. Um, you know, they had a during the game awards, uh, the game developer awards at GDC. They had a big uh, moment about unionization, um, and I think it was it was run by Tim Schafer, the lead at uh, the CEO of Double Fine, and the writer. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know the full details. Um, you should definitely look it up and check it out because it, yeah. it's a topic that I think we should talk about next time. Yeah, um, it's just there's the UK has unionized some of their game. I just want to know from their perspective because I think it would be do the union. They're taking this idea of unionizing the same as film and television does. The problem that I see there is that if you are independent unionizing the game industry doesn't really help an independent game developer. Yeah. So I want to know from their their point of view how unionizing helps everybody. And uh you know, know I'm I, I want to be for unionization as somebody working in games right now. I want to be for it, um but I don't know enough about what unionization will do mm-hmm. to to benefit me. So I don't really have a stance on the matter yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an extremely complex issue for sure. For sure. So it's a very, she gives a very somber view. Going back to the article, she gives a very somber view on what's, uh, on, on what's happening inside the industry. And it's just kind of one of those things that w- you get a sense of just like the exhaustion from constantly having to job search um, for, because of the higher rollover, but also that she's still very hopeful and still wants to do the job, hmm. and which I really like. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll pass on. So that's a great one. That's in our Discord. For Definitely one read. that everybody should read. It's it's very good. Definitely very good one. Read. And you have one last one, Michael. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is another you know tales from GDC. Uh, <laughs> so Google is getting into the game platform race. So by by game platform race, I mean sort of like. Uh, like consoles like PlayStation and Xbox, but also platforms like Steam or Epic Game Store. Uh, Google is now pushing forward with their new product called Stadia, which should be releasing this year. And it is meant as a game streaming service, which means basically you, you you pay some amount of money to have access to games on their service. You play these games, and you don't need to install them. You don't need to... Uh, go physically buy them. You don't need to put in a disc or any of that. It's just you hit play, it comes up in your browser, and you're playing. Um, now, there are, there are caveats to game streaming that we've yet to see, like how, how bad is latency. So like if I push fo- make my character move forward on the controller, how long does it take for the game to respond? And typically with streaming services, that is uh, a longer gap, right? So they have actually the article that I have here from The Verge yeah, gives yeah. An, a bit of an insight on on that. I do have some numbers pulled up that I was looking at, and so far what I've seen is that the uh, the numbers that I've seen from a couple reputable sources, uh, Digital Foundry on YouTube is where I got my numbers, um, have found that the latency that they saw on the show floor, which you know that's show floor, that's not real world scenario. Um, so that the latency was not much worse than your typical Xbox controller. Okay. So that's extremely promising. 
So in the Verge article that I have pulled up, it talked about how they, how I'm trying to find like the exact thing that it says here, but they're actually having data centers. They want, if you're in certain regions, they want that to be where the information is coming from. And they're hoping that that will delay, will decrease the latency as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so instead of like a server in China that you have to connect with, you can connect with a server that's here in the uh, North America. Right, right. Uh, my other concern with game streaming is the um, the level of internet infrastructure that we that you really need to have for it to function well and to not like drop connection, even if it's for a local um, a local server that you're running it through a local data center. Uh, your internet infrastructure can still heavily impact that. And here in America, we've got some of the worst infrastructure across the. Uh, the country. However, this if our is wrestling with huh? Skype wasn't our wrestling with Skype today wasn't enough to tell us that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but they they're also very timely on announcing and potentially releasing this right as the Chinese market is is growing rapidly for games, which mm -hmm. is kind of a huge deal. And they have a much stronger infrastructure for internet. A lot of uh, East Asia, a lot of Asia does. I think South yeah. Korea has has some of the best infrastructure when it comes to it. Yeah, that's correct. And gaming is such like a huge gaming in the in like places like South Korea and China, and Japan. It's it seems like such a huge part of their culture or their culture. Before we really got into esports, esports was a huge thing already in South Korea. Yeah, that's, that's why some of the best players for StarCraft came out come out of South Korea. Like it was a huge uh, cultural game that you played uh, played there. Just now, I think what was it earlier this year? Someone from Norway was finally able to beat South Korean StarCraft players. If that doesn't tell you like how long they've been dominating in that in that game. <laughs> yeah. Someone just now, within the twenty years or so that StarCraft has been uh, StarCraft Two has been playing as part of an esports, like somebody is just now defeating those champions. <laughs> I mean, the AI is uh, is already winning, but you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a separate yeah. discussion altogether. Does <laughs> that come out of this studio? Uh, studio? Stadia, like stadium. They they basically stadium. want to make every you know uh, every browser a stadium for the world, right? Like I don't so, think that's well, an exact motto, thing, but sorry, go ahead. Some other things that come out of this is that they're also going to be using how they're using YouTube. Did you look into that? Yeah, yeah. So their promise of the features is that you could watch a streamer play a game on on uh, YouTube, like a Let's Play or something along those lines, and if you want to jump in, their service promises that you could just hit a button on that browser and launch the game right from there. And on top of that, um, they're adding in features such as like live game states. If you've ever used an emulator, you might be familiar mm -hmm. with, with the term save states. But basically, it takes a chunk of game... Uh, and saves out the like your exact inventory, your exact like position and score and all of that. And uh, Stadia, they're promising to allow players to give their save states out 
so that they could challenge people to get like a higher score at this one moment in the game or or do better than I did, you know. Gotcha. That's an interesting idea for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and they've got, it they looks like they have the infrastructure well. for it. <laughs> um, and then they're promising a ton of developer features as well. And one of the most promising things to me, um, making games for multiple platforms, consoles, PC, etc., we're, we're stuck with a bottleneck of making sure that the game can work for the, the least powerful console, right? Mm-hmm. So right now the Xbox One, the base level Xbox One, is the bottleneck for a lot of multi-platform developers. Um, but if we're building, <clears throat> if we're building games for these dedicated servers that, that Stadia is promising, then that means that we don't need to worry about that hardware. Google worries about that hardware, and we just make games that function. Which means that games as a whole can really push their their quality higher if this becomes successful. Yeah, That'd be pretty cool. That's awesome. And last year, so we had we had talked about like who did we see owning because this is this is the new race, the gaming streaming race. This is right, the new race, right. and we've been talking about who did we see being the next leading the charge. And I said Microsoft. <laughs> Microsoft has been announcing things first and is still uh, soon to announce their their final product for that. But Google mm-hmm. just beat them to the race. I mean, this is the new console war. Yep. <laughs> That, that's what this is. This is like the gaming stores, which I think we're going to talk about that here in a bit. But the gaming stores has has been erased, but also this whole get, how do you start reaching new audiences? That's been a, an entire new race that we have yet to have that, that we're seeing right, here now. Right. And one method of reaching those new audiences is with just a really good game like Fortnite as one example. Mm-hmm. They are opening the market larger than it's ever been. And then accessibility and Google Stadia platform uh, the way the demos they showed live on stage worked on every single platform they demoed there, which was they they could pull up the exact same stream on their phone, on the desktop, on a tablet, on whatever else. All that you needed was the Chrome browser. Yeah, <laughs> which means the accessibility yeah. is gigantic. Yeah, if it There's if it one. works, uh, it could it could end up like VR, where you know the opinion could become right. like. But- yeah, but this VR is the problem with VR is hardware and selling yeah. hardware. But Stadia won't have that problem. The problem with there is is internet infrastructure and data centers. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. Like, is is internet where where this will work yet, or do we need another five or ten years before it happens? Like, well, who knows? Maybe this will drive better infrastructure across the globe. I, I don't know. So like in the in North America in, in the US, infrastructure is driven by the cable companies. Yeah. Yeah. Cable and and, uh, and there and if you take any little bit of time to look into that whole mess, it is there are there here in the so here in Dallas, we were supposed to get Google Google Fiber, yeah. but it was blocked by I forget who exactly. I want to say Comcast. No, it wasn't blocked. They actually started to move forward with it, and then they, Google canceled the program. So Google Fiber just stopped doing a thing in general. Well, that was also because they got blocked for a little while as well. Like there, yeah, I'm there's sure constant there was blocking and, buying. and and so there, there, there's like this whole thing about uh, within the cable industry. There's not um, like certain areas do not have any competition. So if mm-hmm. you move it, so like if I moved from this apartment to the next one, I have to ask: Does this region have uh? 
have what it what is it? Verizon FiOS. Yeah, which is Frontier now. <laughs> well, yeah, it's for, like yeah. it's Frontier now. But when you come to the infrastructure, you also have to look back at just like the the economy itself in that in that little thing and go, how do you convince these companies that own whole regions, whole sectors of, of states to agree to like up it? All right, so this is this is about to get into a net neutrality debate. Yeah, uh, so we'll we'll pause there on that. We'll put that in. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Uh, anyway, but yeah, yeah, we can come back to that another time. But I just want to make that clear. Like when it comes to the infrastructure, you do get into those debates as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I can't really say uh, more without getting into net neutrality. So <laughs> let's dedicate a different episode to that um, because I think you wanted to talk about uh, it's going to be our our expansion topic for the day. But before we fully get into that, let's do some real quick honorable mentions and then shout outs. So some honorable mentions that we have in here, just a few. Um, we have Tower Prototype Trailer. That's that's a that's a new game that's coming out. We also have Cadence of Hyrule, which we talked about. Then there is Nintendo Labo VR Kit. The trailer is yes. out on that. Yeah. So Nintendo's VR space. And from what I hear, it's more like Google Cardboard than it is like Oculus. But yeah. this is totally VR's, or Nintendo's wheelhouse. I could see a VR WarioWare happening via Oh, that. yeah. Oh, yeah. And we Fingers also have... Crossed. Sorry, what? State of Play. State of Play? Yeah. Yeah, State of Play, which is a broadcast that is happening tomorrow. So this is again future thing. Oh, the the new Sony streaming announcement yeah. service. Yes, sort of like Nintendo's Directs and sort of like Microsoft's uh, whatever they're calling it. And someone put in here a funny little thing. I saw this, and guys, I might just go see this movie in theaters. It is Dora and the Lost City of Gold. It Dora is a live Explorer. action. Dora the Explorer, it is a live action film that's put on by, produced by Nickelodeon, and it's all about Dora the Explorer. She's in high school, and it kind of, do you guys remember Wild Thornberries? I don't know yes. how, like. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of Wild Thornberries, to be honest. Tim Curry at his, at his best. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Uh, so that, it kind of reminds me of that. So that's our honorable mentions. Um, our shout-outs. So who are we got shout-outs for, guys? Well, Trey and Anwar, as usual, for editing and making sure our podcasts are online. <laughs> Thank you both. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and Nerdvana still, because we're still running our, you know, our daily, uh, or not daily, our weekly <clears throat> Nerdvana, Whole Foods and Plano. Yep. Um, yep. For sure, thank you very much. And uh, so, before, so if so, if you'd like to join our physical locations or physical meetups, you can come over to Nirvana or Whole Foods Plano. Whole Foods Plano is Thursday, Friday is Nirvana. Both clubs start at eight a.m. Expansion topic. So, lead the way, Michael. Yeah. Okay. So, I wanted to get into the debate about the Epic Game Store right now. Um, so, for those who are not in the know, uh, Epic put out, with the success of Fortnite, Epic has put a lot of money into their infrastructure, and they put out a um, a service similar to Steam, where they can sell games, uh, they can be a first-party marketplace for developers, 
um, and you can launch your games through that. <clears throat> now, uh, they've been busy making sure that more and more games come out on their platform as opposed to Steam, and people are up in arms about Epic Games uh, making these games timed exclusives, which means that they uh, won't be on Steam or any other platform. They'll only be on the Epic Games Store for a period of time. Usually mm -hmm. a year, maybe permanent, depending on the deal that Epic strikes with the developers. Mm -hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw a huge amount of noise about Epic using doing the exclusive for Outer World, which is Obsidian's new game that's coming out. Yes. Yes, that has been announced as an exclusive on the Epic Game Store. And a lot a lot of this drama that's going on started with uh, the new Metro game. So the Metro Exodus, which came out midway through last month, uh, was announced and immediately upon announcement was available for pre-order on the Steam store page. Um, at some point in the development cycle, uh, the publisher, 4A Games, uh, made a deal with Epic to make the game exclusive to the Epic Store. So they that means they ripped it from the Steam Store page and now made it only available on the Epic Store. Now, anybody who had already pre-ordered it through Steam still got it on Steam, but a lot of people were frustrated by this. <laughs> any any thoughts on that so far, then? <laughs> Sorry, my cat keeps clawing at the door. Okay, so... I know that Mo uh, Metro was kind of like the catalyst for launching this talk. I think a lot of people are just kind of exclusive fatigued. Maybe. Uh, I mean, uh, clarify what you mean, <clears throat> please. So, like, the biggest drive for the console wars was having exclusive titles on consoles. And then consoles started moving more away from exclusive to doing, besides Nintendo, to doing more open platforms. So if you bought a game on Xbox, you would still be able to find that game across across other platforms. Um, and that, that change was like... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, that change was just a couple of years ago. It, it's still there's still exclusive titles. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like a lot of people, gamers and like gamers, are just kind of tired of exclusivity. Even though for for like the business aspect, and I realize like I'm always the one talking about the business aspect, but the business aspects exclusivity drives revenue, but also drives competition. It drives hardware sales. It drives uh, a lot of different things, right? But right. a lot of people are painting this as like an exclusivity issue, like like it's the new console wars, but for PC mm -hmm. games, right? But that's yeah. that's a fallacy to me because the problem with exclusivity on consoles is that it's locked to that hardware. That is not the case with the Epic Game Store. You do not need to pay more to get your game on the Epic Store versus Steam. And in fact, the Epic Store... Uh, is a much better deal for developers because Epic doesn't take as large of a cut to post it on their store. I think it's just like there. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I want to say this, but I, I, I'm going to cut my. I'm going to censor myself a little bit. But I feel like for some people, it's just kind of an anti-capitalism um, move uh, that that they just don't want to deal. Hmm, where am I trying to go with this? Give me a second. <laughs> no worries. The biggest thing when it comes to games and what I see in a lot of gamer culture is like this drive for non-capitalism, right? The more that whenever these, these kind of stuff comes up, people immediately start yelling, oh, capitalism is ruining this, this industry because they're just trying to get all the, all the money as possible. 
yeah. Without really looking at how, <clears throat> without really looking at how it really does benefit both developers and gamers as a whole. Right. Right. If anything, this will drive more. The more this happens, it'll drive more competition with Valve and Steam, so that Steam can offer better deals for the consumers and for the uh, the developers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although one thing that I don't like is the time, what you said, if I'm understanding correctly, and I'm just going to repeat mm -hmm. it real quick, time exclusivity. So meaning that it's just going to be on there for a certain number of, a uh, certain amount of time based on the contract that they have, and then is no longer available. Well, right? not that it won't be available anymore. It's just that it will, uh, be exclusive to the Epic store for that period of time. And then it will be on steam or other platforms as well okay. as the Epic store. Which, okay, then I... Well, I was just going to say, it's a little weird, too, because, like, the, the store is, is free, right? Like, exactly. Like, Both are free platforms. Something you have to drop 300 bucks for. It's... And, like, maybe if we were in a world where Steam was the only platform where people launched their or bought their games from, there could be some, some argument there, but we're not in that world because we have a bunch of other platforms that people are using. You've got Uplay, which is for Ubisoft games. You've got Origin for EA games and more. Yeah. You've got good, good old, old games. games. Mm -hmm. yeah. Discord is launching their store. We have the Humble Bundle store. Like it's, We're not in that world anymore. Having one more yeah. store is not a big deal at this yeah. point. That's... And if it's about having your games all in one location, like one library, well, you can add any game EXE file to your Steam page so that you can still launch it through Steam if that's where you want your library to be. I mentioned, I mean, Discord is also very aware of this issue and they're trying to make it so that you can launch any game from their their yes. Yes. their group, their program yes. as well. Like, when you see one, one market change, you also can watch, it's very interesting to me just to see how everything else is adapting yeah. the changing of the environment. Right, that's that's what you see. So Discord started becoming very popular for people doing chats and um, voice chats, like we're doing right now. Right. And now Steam stepped up their game to kind of challenge Discord on this. Right. So their stuff started getting a little bit better. I'm not going to say it became amazing. It just got better right. because now they're trying to like compete. Before they didn't have to compete. Exactly. And now that made both Discord and Steam's voice chat platforms better. So it, mm -hmm. in the end, it is really better for the consumer. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so, I think we're all on the same page. I wish we had one more person to really play devil advocate here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I do have some devil's advocate points, though. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see people taking issue with Epic for a few specific reasons. One, uh, their store is still in flux. It's new. When Steam was new, that was, you know, it had its own problems, and Epic is no different. Um, but one of the biggest ones is that there are some privacy concerns uh, with the Epic Game Store. Like, people are, are worried that it's going to be always on in the background, which it's just kind of, that is the case right now. If you have it installed and turned on, it will be running in the background. And I can mm -hmm. understand some frustration with that. Yeah. Um, the review are, stuff, it sounds like people have have an issue maybe with not being able to leave reviews. Yes. And that's, that's one thing that I wanted to get into. So Steam also provides a platform for community, which mm -hmm. Epic does not. Um, and that community is in the form of forums, reviews, etc. 
But right now, any developer I talk to is not happy with Steam reviews being a thing because people use it as a platform to voice their uh, you know, the vocal minority opinions and to review bomb games, right? <laughs> the discontent, which is what we saw that happen with Metro. Exactly. When it was announced as exclusive, they went in and review bombed all of the old games. Exactly, which does nothing. But it's it, if if anything, it hurts the developer more than it hurts Steam. Um, now, for a big developer or publisher like 4A Games or the Metro team, it's not going to hurt them that much. They're still going to sell their games. But for indie teams, that can be life or death. It, like it for indie teams, it's important for them to have reviews and a place for them to run their community. Mm-hmm. Argue that that is their responsibility to have. Uh, so I get where you're coming from. Like if you have it on a platform and it's all there in one space, like Steam, it's great. But I would also say that it becomes harder to like manage those things because you also have to work with the with the owners of of Steam in order to like really really deal with that versus if you start your own community on something like reddit which is very popular for indie indie developers to do sure, yeah they have them on reddit they have them on other what, what is another really big um, uh, well i mean there's a huge discord community for a bunch of different games right um, so each and that's just another that's another part of game game industry that we don't talk about which is the community building side right right i don't agree with it being epic's responsibility for helping you to create your community you should already have a community start you should already be building a community Mm -hmm. starting to announce your game at the time that you're starting to put out the prototypes the alphas the betas that community should already be there and that stuff might not appear on on epic but uh, on where you want your website, because you have, if you if you got any website, you can have a comment section in, yep, right? Or your a website, forum, your or, yeah, like all of that stuff. I, I argue that is the responsibility of the developers, or the not publisher. The yeah, yeah, or the publishers, but not the sellers. But that's kind of what what Steam promised. Like, developers wouldn't have to manage that stuff because they could use Steam as a platform for it instead. So, I mean, it's it's a six one way, half a dozen another, right? It, Mark, like, business has changed, though. The way of kind of doing it. You you can't just rely on Steam being the, the, the end-all, be-all. You have to look at the other ways to engage your community on Twitter, on social media, on the... Through through websites, I mean, you you can't just rely on one channel. I agree, and most most developers don't entirely rely on one, but it means that they can put less resources into and less money into having to manage their own. Mm. So it's it's a it is a business decision either way. Like you're saying, it's <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I'm not part of the decision making with Gearbox so, uh, on those matters, so I don't know what is right there, but. <clears throat> but you're right. Um, so the, I want to backtrack real quickly to something that you guys mentioned: data, data privacy. Yeah, yeah. This is a huge discussion right now, especially because of the whole thing with Facebook. They're right. still losing millions of users by the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so data privacy is very important. You mentioned before the 
Google Stadia, how they're how they're doing. And my thought there was also how are they how are they conquering the whole GDPR? How are they conquering um, COPA? Online protection program. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so GDPR right? is like the right to be forgotten, right? Yeah. Um, which I think yeah. they can do their service. <laughs> it's a little bit different, but yes. Validating that. Huh? I mean, right. Steam. Steam had to how to react to that as well when when GDPR went in. They they changed how their platform it took in data. Uh, that was my question. Like, how are they tackling this? If you're always leaving it on in the background, then it means you're you're gonna, you're going to have a massive problem with Europe. Well, I mean, Steam can be is is always on in the background right now if you have your settings set to default. Hmm. Um, as is UPlay and Origin and everything else, you have to like manually go change those settings. Now, I haven't looked into it since the initial privacy concerns for Epic were were talked about. Um, but my expectation is that if they have not already, they will be setting it up so that you can turn that off. Right. And, oh, man, oh, I really wish I thought about this. This is Article 13. That's more copyright. That's something else to talk about. I think, we, I, think we're, I think we've been recording for an hour, so. Yeah, okay. that's true. Um, so let's, let's uh, closing thoughts on this, on our, uh, on our expansion topic. Um, I think <clears throat> my closing thoughts are that the Epic Game Store is good for the market and good for developers, and people need to stop. <laughs> you can believe that. Stop quacking. People need to stop quacking. Yeah, stop. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like without a doubt, this is the promotion of competition, right? And with competition means that everybody is going to look for a way to get the leg up. And in the process of doing that, you're going to see uh, better games. You're going to see better platforms. You're going to see um, new, the way that the communities are run out of this. Uh, just any in in better deals, both for consumers and for developers. And that's really what I'm excited about. When I when when Epic first announced that they were doing their thing, I knew that those were the things that were going to happen, and that's what I was most excited about. Mm-hmm. Because we, we definitely need new life breathed breathed back into a, into this particular part of the industry. Agreed. Shay. No, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what 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 all they can do with this. I mean, like you said, it's it's a new store. It's got it's going to have some growing pains, but uh, it is good for competition. I'm excited to see how it's going to help change and move the industry forward. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you want to go for it, if you want to join in on the conversation, let us know how you feel about the whole Epic versus steam steam store. Let us know in the comment section. Uh, You can talk, talk to us on our Facebook group. You can also talk to us on Twitter or you can join the discord. And if you don't have a link to our discord, just hit some, some of our members up or hit us up on our VGOC. Now, all of our social channels, there's VGOCC, Video Game Open Coffee Club, and we'll be happy to talk. Now, you have a great morning, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Laters.